2: Oh, I love the fall. I know it's 100 degrees outside here, but I do love college football. And we are smack dab in the start of college football season. We've got Florida and Tennessee. We've got Matt Baker to talk about all the college football uh, today on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay coming up here in just a minute. But first, Steve Versnick, Rays win, raise win, Rays win, as Dave Wills used to say. And it was a big win for them, 5-4. to four. Uh, against the Minnesota Twins, and Randy Orozarena hit one that I think went past the Twin Cities over St. Paul. And Has it landed yet? No, it's still it's still ascending, as a matter of fact. Oh, my gosh. You know how he takes those Giants to swings and sometimes corkscrews himself into the ground and the mm-hmm. helmet goes one way and, and you know his feet go into the... He did one of those deals, but he connected. And, I mean, upper deck... No doubter, 5-4, uh, to four difference in a 5-4 to four win. Mm-hmm. And a big one, too, because you've just reported to me that the Baltimore Orioles
1: have lost. The Cardinals, a very bad Cardinals team, beat them one nothing to take that series from the Orioles. Wow. So the Rays get their 90th victory. Yep. And are just two games back of the Orioles going into oh. that mammoth four-game series that starts Ooh. tonight.
2: This is exciting, man. Now, this, this is Another three exciting.
1: games back in the loss column. Yeah, And if the Rays do not sweep this series, then they have to finish a game ahead of Baltimore in the se- at the end of the year. Right. But if you go 3-1 and one this series, mm-hmm. it's now deadlocked going into the final Ooh. two weeks of the season. Ooh.
2: I love it. I love the drama. I
1: wonder, and I don't
2: know this, um, but I'm wondering how the Orioles will handle this pressure, right? Because mm-hmm. they have been remarkable absolutely remarkable. Once they got the lead, they have not given it up. They win every night, or so it seems. It's very difficult for the Rays to get a game on them at any point. Um, however, this is head-to-head. This is mano-a-mano, and, and they're in the front now. Now They have something to be
1: taken away from them.
2: I wonder if that pressure is going to be a little different than if you're the guy that's that's always chased
1: the rabbit. Mm-hmm. And the, you're, and you're rabbit. at home, so you're expected to, to win. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. yeah. Now absolutely. You do have the crowd, and you'll get last at bat, but yeah, it's it this look uh, you take three or four or you sweep the series. Then, you know, you're either tied or ahead. You lose three or four and the division crown's probably over. I mean, yeah, you're probably done. You know, now now you're going to be on. four games back with yeah. two weeks to go.
2: Yeah, you want to hang on to the first wild card at that point. Mm-hmm. So,
1: well, and they've got I mean, the Rays are eight and a half games up in the wild card.
2: Oh, yeah, for now, they're I mean, they're pretty solid to have that. Mm-hmm. But we um, take a, a monumental collapse and, and you know. Losing Jose Siri, who, you know, might be back, they say, maybe in three weeks with the broken hand. Like, all oh, that's not good, right? Well, and that's
1: uh, where, you know, if you don't have to play that first week of the playoffs. Right, that would help. That You know, because right now that three weeks, if he came back in three weeks, that would basically mm-hmm. be the start of the wild card round, October 3rd. Right. If if you don't play those games and you're not playing till Saturday the 7th, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting an extra four days, basically. That's huge before you have to play. Right. So, you know, you'd love to get that extra couple days rest to try to get him back and to get his hand swinging and feeling good, assuming Absolutely. he can come back in three weeks.
2: Well, it'll be the most fascinating series so far, I think, of this, uh, this baseball season. And even though the Rays have so many players hurt, so many pitchers out uh, for the season, et cetera, they're still hanging in there. 90 wins again for Kevin Cash in a year where they've had to spackle it together with with all that's gone on. So you give him plenty of credit and and the whole Rays organization. We'll get to Matt Baker here and talk some college football in just a minute. But first, you guys already know it's hurricane season and it might affect some college football this weekend. We'll see. But there is still time to keep the power on without breaking the bank. That's getting solar battery backup power from May Electric Solar. Now, with solar battery backup power, there's no fuel cost, no loud generator noise, No annual maintenance cost. Plus, May Electric Solar, our sponsors, offer a 15-year warranty. So solar battery backup also can save you hundreds of dollars each month. Now, if you lose power, a generator could cost you over $2,000 a week just to keep your house running. New solar battery uh, systems also qualify for a 30% tax credit, or you can add a battery to your existing M phase solar system as well. Trust the pros in solar to learn more about May Electric Solar's battery backup. Or to get started, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, favorite time of the week. We get to talk college football with Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. And, uh, Matt, we're going to start with Florida and Tennessee. You wrote a story today about not just how important this is to the Gators, obviously, but especially one head coach, Billy Napier, Look, this has been a series that's been of some importance for a while, but not what it used to be, right, for both teams. And yet Tennessee, of course, uh, has raised the bar a little bit these last few years. But Florida needs a win, and Billy Napier needs a win maybe more than the Gators do. So what will this game mean to Billy Napier if if he does not win it, or just how big is it?
0: I think it's the biggest game of his career, and I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, mm. yeah, maybe you want to say like the Sun Belt Conference Championships, just because that's playing for a conference title and that matters. And you know, maybe you could say some of the rivalry games last year, but to me, this this is it. I mean, he's he's winless against his rivals, and yes, I know it was only one year, but. No coach, no Florida coach, had ever lost to to Tennessee, Florida State, Georgia, and LSU in the same season, mm-hmm. and he was the first. And then when you look at you know, certainly the way the Georgia one unfolded, being being ugly, and Tennessee last year that they Florida made it a game and had a hail mary chance to win it, but I was at that game; it, it, those teams didn't feel close. So I, I think you kind of put all that in the background. You look at how ugly the Utah game was. You look at the first two full recruiting classes were fine, but not great. And just all the kind of noise around around Billy and where this program is, they need something positive to show that they're heading in the right direction. And I don't think that means like beating South Carolina and Kentucky and Charlotte and Missouri and, and going to the, the Gasparilla Bowl or something like that. I think it needs to be bigger than that. And I think just to... To kind of quiet the noise around this program right now, I think he needs to go out and beat Tennessee. I don't know, know if even hanging with him is going to be enough. I think he's going to have to go out and beat him, and if not, then there's certainly one of the other rivals. And but like, I think LSU is better than Tennessee. Although you know, obviously the Florida State loss, I still think LSU is a better team. Uh, Georgia is certainly a better team. Florida State is certainly a better team. So if Billy's going to get one of the rivals this year, you look at it and it's probably going to have to be Tennessee at home. And if that doesn't happen, and suddenly he's zero and five against his rivals, he's one and two into year two. You know, going to be two and two heading to Kentucky. That's not a good position to be in. And like, I'm not saying if Billy loses this, he's fired. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I do think he needs to do something to kind of kind of save himself with the fan base, because this is a fan base that's as impatient as any in the country, and another loss, particularly if it's ugly, would be very bad for that. And then I guess the last point I'd make, he's going to have to win one or a couple of these kind of showcase games for recruiting purposes. Now, they've got, I think it's still the number three recruiting class in the country in 2024, but if... Florida goes out and goes five and seven and looks bad against Tennessee and looks bad against George and looks bad against LSU or whoever it is. Those, you know, nothing is signed yet. Right. So some of those recruits are kind of, you know, I'll put it this way. Other schools are certainly be talking to those prospects saying, you sure. That's, that's where you want to go. You, you want to go there and go five and seven again? Like, so that's kind of where Florida is in all of this, where they need a big time win. And I think it needs to be a rivalry win. And if you start looking at the schedule, this is the best one. This is, this is your, if you're going to get somebody, this is the most likely one.
2: And I mean, Tennessee's ranked 11th. I, I think that they're a better football team. Um, certainly that's what the pollsters think as well. And, What's been interesting about Napier this week, uh, and you wrote about it in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay dot com, is he's not leaving a chance that his players don't understand the history of this of this rivalry because uh, he's given them basically some homework and some lessons to uh, to study. Whether it's Graham Mertz who just came in here from Wisconsin as a uh, you know in the transfer portal as a quarterback or any other player, he really is tapping into. What had been and and still I guess is a very deep and and maybe not always uh, uh, uh you know well respected on either side rivalry uh that that is 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 used to be Matt one of the better ones in the SEC, used, not just the SEC it used to be one of the better ones in the, in the country. country. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, when I was growing up in the '90s, this is one of those games that you that you watch that you know me growing up in Indiana, I didn't care two hoots about Florida or Tennessee, but Florida, but Florida, Tennessee, that game, that mattered, that resonated. And um, I'd like to see it get back to that again. And, and, you know, I've been to a couple, uh, I think the the two in Knoxville I went to were both game day games. So there was some buzz around. I mean, mean, you'd love it to be an an annual, first of all, find a way for the sec to keep it as an annual thing from 25 and beyond, however, they make the schedules work. Um, And you'd love it to be a, a, rivalry that has some weight to it it's not just like two eight and four team that kind of thing but billy's um you know, billy was saying the other day and the players were too that uh, part of the the onboarding process is what napier called it i, I just i love that by the way onboarding process that's such a ceo business thing and you know napier's on day one was talking about um investors uh you know, not just boosters but investors in the program So I love the idea that they're onboarding. Um, But as part of this onboarding process, uh, they were talking about, um, you know, they they have kind of rivalry 101, so to speak, where they tell them about Georgia and tell them about the Knowles and certainly tell them about Florida, Tennessee, because these players haven't seen Florida, Tennessee be great. That just hasn't been a thing for them.
2: You know, you, you, you said that this is a big game for Billy Napier, and I don't disagree, given that he needs a win over a, you know, one of the upstart SEC teams here sometime and no time like the present. Let's consider, however, Matt, what if he loses this game and not only loses, but maybe they're not even really in it. Um, at Florida Field, it can get ugly and it can get ugly early. And regardless, what what then would that make Billy Napier would, would he be would he be in jeopardy right away into the beginning of this season?
0: I don't think so. Um, unless it's, unless the train really comes off the tracks. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if he loses to Charlotte and Vandy or something like that, sure. okay, then, then all bets are off. But realistically, Florida will beat Charlotte. I think Florida will beat Vanderbilt. All we can't, we can't, that's not a gimme. We saw that can't last year. It. Yeah. Um, but assuming he wins at least four something like that, I, I, I can't imagine. It would be very hard for me to imagine him getting fired. um, but I do think it just ramps up the pressure because you can see how this goes bad. Um, this is a fan base that when they turn on you, it turns. And it's just really hard to, once you lose the benefit of the doubt, it's mm. hard to get that back, is I guess my point. You know, we we talked a bit ago, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, about the the Willie Taggart comparison. And again, I'm not saying Billy's there, but I think the point is is valid where, Willie lost the fan base um, for a lot of reasons. Um, just the general disarray and that sort of thing. And it, I think Florida fans can put up with losing to some degree, but it has to be, there has to be some sort of hope. There has to be something like, you know what, this team plays really hard or this team is well coached, they just don't have the horses yet or something like that. But if you go back, you know, I don't take anything out of the McNeese game. I, I don't. They did what they were supposed to do against an overmatched team. Mm-hmm. whoop de do um So, but going back to the Utah game and just all the penalties and how out of sorts they looked. If that type of stuff continues, then it's going to lead to the question of what is this guy doing? What? Why did we hire a Sun Belt coach to lead the mighty Florida Gators when he clearly isn't, isn't over his head? Even if that's not the case, that's the way a lot of fans are going to take it. So. It, If he loses, I think the heat will go up. I think there's certainly a possibility that the recruiting class um, at some point collapses if things don't get better. And it becomes harder to sell to boosters and to fans and to recruits that this program is heading in the right direction. Maybe that's too much for one game, but I think that's not crazy talk either.
2: No, and and, and listen, win or lose, I mean, they have to have a good accounting in themselves. They have to look like a team that's competitive and 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 doesn't have the self inflicted mistakes we saw against Utah. I mean, you know, McNeese State. I'm I'm with you. Like they're going to roll out of bed and beat those guys uh, just on talent alone, right? Um, but this will this will require execution that they didn't have in, in their first week against Utah. So um, coaching will will be will be on the line here. Um, okay, let's let me ask you about. Uh, <laughs> Alabama comes to USF, and Raymond James Stadium only has, I guess, some seats available in the 300 section. This is going to be, I would imagine, a very pro Alabama crowd, or at least a, a large representation of Alabama crowd. Um, there's been some, you know, some big marquee names uh, in this stadium against USF in the past. How would you rank this one? And you know, I, I know they got a win last week against an opponent that they were better than, but can Alex Golish do anything to try to slow the tide here?
0: Oh, I see what you did there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Um, Maybe a little bit. I I take a little bit from the fact that Golish beat them last year when he was at Tennessee. Mm. Um, So I say that because he knows – he knows some some of the weaknesses of this defense, of the, of this this scheme at least. Yeah. Now the problem is USF does not have Tennessee players. Like right, Tennessee True. had a great quarterback and hidden hooker, had a great receiver, Jalen Hyatt, who I I i believe he had eight thousand yards and five <laughs> touchdowns that game. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> and yeah. you know, certainly give Hypel and, and Gollis credit for for scheming it up, but like they had to do it at quarterback and a do it at receiver. And and that game, that was that went a long way. And, and I don't know that... I know USF's not at that level, and, and n- nobody expects them to be. So maybe he can keep things interesting for a little bit. Um, but if you're trying to come up with a scenario for an upset, I mean, mm. uh, Byron Brown would have to play out of his mind. Um, maybe there's a sleeper on this USF team that can go out and make a bunch of big plays that Bama's not expecting. Maybe there's a zillion turnovers or something like that. But, I mean, just just on paper, Alabama is going to be very, very, you know, obviously they're more talented. Uh, they're going to be very fired up after losing to Texas. I mean, I don't think Saban's lost back-to-back regular season games since uh, his first year in 2007. So, and, and if you go back and look, almost all the ones he played afterwards it was usually Mississippi State for whatever reason, but they, they felt it, I'll put it that way. So it, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where USF gets the upset, but I think the crowd will be interesting. I mean, it, it'll be one of the biggest that they've ever had, as, as our, our, our buddy Joey Knight wrote. Um, I mean, just in terms of the, I'll put it this way too. Uh, in terms of the magnitude, uh, my father-in-law hasn't visited for a little bit. He, he and his, his wife live in Texas, and they're coming, for, they're coming to visit us, obviously see my, my son, but also they're coming for the game. You know oh. this. This was an excuse. Oh, USF's playing Alabama. Hey, maybe that's the weekend we come down. Wow. Um, okay. So you know the the uh, part part of the Baker clan will be in attendance at uh, at, at Ray J, and a lot of that is just that this is the Alabama mystique. This is the Alabama charm, and it's a chance to see you know the greatest ever in his element, and and who knows how much longer Saban will be doing that. Look that's a whole who, different kind of words, by the way.
2: Yeah. Well, look whose in laws are attracted. By a marquee team in college football to come visit you in the first place, I'm impressed by that. Um, no, I, I listen. I, well, here's I, the
0: thing: is is they could also come sometime when I'm not working, you know. But <laughs> well, but that, I, I think I that think too. that's I think that's the thing. They <laughs> that had might to pick be the draw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, Matt's not going to be here. He's going to be out of town that, in Gainesville. I can say this, this with wine.
2: confidence: that would be the draw for my in-laws, <laughs> who, who seem to. Well, they. Well, I won't go there, but yeah, I will since I opened that can of worms. Um, my brother-in-law was married on a Sunday, and yeah, I work on Sundays, but not that one. So there you go. Not that I'm bitter, but it happened. But I anyway, we got we went down a, a line that I'm now suddenly on a psychiatrist's couch, and I want to do that. <laughs> uh, but it, it is hey, look, I'm I'm I. This is a game. Now this sounds crazy, right? But if I'm a football fan, a college football fan, I'd buy a ticket to this game because I want to see Alabama. I don't get a chance in my backyard to watch the Crimson Tide and Nick Saban. Now, here's the thing I wanted to ask you about about Alabama. I watch Texas throw the ball over their heads all day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that a Texas thing, or is there some vulnerabilities there with Nick Saban's defense?
0: Yes. I think there are some, some potential issues with this defense. And, look, I, I said at the start of the year, I think I only had them six on my ballot to, to start the year, so I only had them as a very good team. Right. Um, now we'll see if they actually end up six. They might end up lower than that. Yeah. Um. So I do think this Alabama team is vulnerable, and particularly, you know, their defense has didn't look great. Um. And I think honestly, I, I'm totally going to get old takes exposed here, but like y- you can see it slipping. Mm-hmm. You just you just can. Yeah, I like, think so. I think they've lost three of their last seven against uh, you know major conference teams, and. I'm not saying they're never going to win another game. I'm not saying he's a bum. I'm not saying he's going to retire. But in terms of Alabama being Alabama, the way it was mm-hmm. from what 08 to 20, 22, yeah. where there's because even last year, right? They lost. They lost the two regular season games, but one was a an overtime on a two point conversion, and the other was on a walk off 50 yard field goal in <laughs> right. Tennessee. Right. Like so. Yeah, they lost twice, but they were. As close as you can possibly get, but I think that the Texas game kind of it changed changed the title a little bit, um, mm-hmm. where you can start to see that there are some issues and there's a bunch of reasons why. Um, you know, we, we talked before about the quarterback situation that they went from Jalen Hurts to Tua Tungavaloa to Mac Jones to uh, to Bryce Young. That's four starting quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Like, yeah, first you, round picks. You don't do that. You that doesn't happen. And then you look at the uh, the coaches that he had. I mean, I think it was, you know, that 15, 14, 15, 16, that range, Billy Napier was on staff, and mm-hmm. Kirby Smart was on staff, and Lane Kiffin was on staff, and Mario Cristobal was on staff, and Brent Key was on staff, uh, and Jeremy Pruitt was on staff. Like, at some point, you're not going to – you're just going to miss on some guys, um, just as you're going to miss on some guys in recruiting. And all those things – the margin for error is so small. And eventually time – the thing about dynasties – is that they all end. They run their that's,
2: course, yeah.
0: At, correct. At some point, all of them end. And I think all these factors have led to Alabama to regress to the mean a little bit um, to where they're just another really good team right now. Uh, but to, to the fans who are going to be, you know, it's, it's a chance to see Nick Saban um, in Alabama, went to one of the marquee programs, the greatest coach of all time. And, and like I said, you don't know how many more chances like that you're going to get. So I think that's kind of the allure Uh, of this game, even though Alabama, to me, is not Alabama this year.
2: You know, this is not a great comparison, and I don't know corporations very well, but what what this reminds me, okay, so the teams they have lost to, all right, um, or the teams that seem to have been picking a little bit at Alabama, of course, are Georgia, a two-time national championship coached by Kirby Smart, former (laughs) Alabama defensive coordinator. Okay, and then Texas knocks them off. And one Steve Sarkeesian who did a pretty good job as a coordinator at Alabama now takes his recipe and starts winning and beating his, his mentor um, at at the university of Texas. So, I mean, did we have some guy leave Verizon and go to T-Mobile here? I mean, what is this, what this is about or is it just natural selection where you can't stay on top the whole time?
0: I think it's both. Um, Hmm. Certainly, you know curb excuse me uh Saban was able to attract all those top coaches that you know his yes. first for a while was kind of the island of, of misfit coaches <laughs> yes, it was. um and, and he reformed them and they went out and got other jobs and, and yep. that that was great um and it, and it still can be so I think some of it is being able to attract those names but I do think there's also a and then obviously when they leave you lose something um but maybe you know alex golish at usf said something interesting the other day when i asked him about um what did he take away from beating bama as the oc at tennessee last year and he took away the fact that it took a year and a half of seeing the same defensive scheme over and over in the sec because there's so many saving guys so he faced that defense in and- Different flavors, of course, but the same general thought philosophy a couple different times. And all those opportunities say, okay, this works, this doesn't work. And I think he and the staff were able to kind of refine that to get the schematic things that they needed, the schematic answers. And then obviously, like we said last year, they had Endon Hooker and, and Jalen Hyatt and, and a bunch of other really good players to where they can put this scheme. This is what we need, these are the answers with the right, uh, I don't know how to extend this metaphor, but with the right dudes to execute it. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, if you get the breaks, if you get the luck, they were able to make it happen. And uh, so I think that's another reason why Alabama's in this situation. They they lost so many guys who went into other programs and took that special sauce with them, and that's just more opportunities to taste it and see what's in there, I guess. That's a really weird one, huh? (laughs)
2: Uh, I mean, hey. I was I was on going down the Intel road, and then you turned it into, I see what you did, you turned it into like a restaurant thing, but that's good.
0: Yeah, it's McDonald's, right? Yeah,
2: right. there's, there's always a Burger King and a Wendy's, right? They make money too, so uh, there's that.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. Like me, in a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today.
2: Let's segue out of this uh, fast food uh, yeah, uh, menu here, and then um, I wanted to ask you about Florida State, which is at Boston College. There has been times where. Boston College was not just a pushover, and I don't know what they have, frankly. Now, what I'm wondering about Florida State is, have they reached the level where it's not enough to win? You need to put on some points and be impressive while you're doing it.
0: Yes and no. Um, my expectations as a reporter and as an AP voter is that they don't beat Boston college. They kick the crap out of them. <laughs> um, because right. Boston, Boston college is not very good. Uh, Jeff Halfley, the former, uh, Bucks assistant. If you were to put, start putting money on who's the co- first coach to get fired, uh, he's on the list. Um, your buddy, uh, butch Jones is also quite high on that. Oh, please. List, Any day. I now, know, please. I know, I know. Had to pick. Um, so yeah, Florida state absolutely should wipe, you know, should just destroy them. Um, if they don't, I think it's okay. Just because I think Florida state's good enough to run the table and we'll get to Clemson next week when it's time. Yeah. Um, and if Florida state runs the table w- with that win over LSU, win over Clemson, win over Miami, maybe two, we'll, you know, we'll see, but w- they run on the table. They'll be they're in the playoff. Um, but yeah, I think the expectations are that they, they crush them. Um, the the only other interesting thing. First of all, I hope there's no storm, hurricane stuff that messes up the game. Obviously, hope everybody in the Northeast is okay. We know what storms are like. Um, the only other interesting thing I would add on FSU Boston College. Ten years ago, obviously, was the, the 2013 national championship team with Florida State. Right. Boston College took the lead on them. They were up 17 to three in the second quarter. And uh, Jameis threw a uh, Hail Mary at the end of the half to take the lead. I think it was to Rashad Green, if I remember right. And Florida State ended up winning by two scores and didn't trail again until the the national title game against Auburn. So that's just kind of in the back of my mind, too, is that maybe BC can hang with them before. we've, We've seen that movie, although at the end, I should have a pretty good idea how it ends.
2: Yeah, only only their own uh, lethargy will probably get make this a close game at any point. I think, but we'll see how they fare up there uh, in uh, in Boston. All right, you had a chance to watch the Miami Hurricanes, and I think it was against the Fighting Jimbos. Am I correct? Was that last you week? You are correct. That was the thing. All right, so I got a couple questions about that. First of all, <laughs> let's let's start with the positive, I suppose. Uh, is Miami nice. is Miami coming back? Are they almost back? Does it look like they have a path back? Like where? Where are the hurricanes? Is there excitement again in Coral Gables?
0: It's the last one. Uh, you look; they look like they're coming back. Um, what I thought watching them beat beat Jimbo by a couple of scores for the first time under Mario, you can see how this works, right? Like, obviously, last year was not good. The Middle Tennessee loss was probably rock bottom for the program. Um, obviously they got crushed by, was it 45 points to, to Florida state? That's, and that was the worst loss they've ever had to the Noles. So last year was awful. Um, they beat the other Miami in week one. whoop de doo Don't take anything from that. But last week you could see how it works where Tyler Van Dyke looked like 2021, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, You've been to to Hard Rock Stadium and various names. The the, uh, press box is at the corner of Mm -hmm. the field, and there was a play, I think it was in the second quarter, where Van Dyke drops back, and you could see one of his receivers on the left just had a step on him. And I think Mm -hmm. everybody in the press box was kind of like, Mm. you you could see it open, and then Van Dyke, Throws a perfect pass, perfect catch, touchdown, and and you could just see it clicking. You could see yeah. this this offense with the new offensive coordinator kind of air-ready roots. You could see how that works with Miami guys who look like Miami guys with some speed on the outside. Offensive line was good enough. So this is that was the first game where you could see how this works. Now, I had questions about Cristobal, the game manager. I still have some of them. I'm not erasing them after one game, but... You, They're a little bit quieter now, Um, and if they get back to to being what Miami has been before and what they think they should be again, this was the first real sign. We're like, okay, you can see the blueprint in action here. Now they have to keep doing it.
2: Yeah, I mean, they beat, uh, I guess you would, I mean, it's a power five team, not really a blue blood, but I mean, Jimbo, who makes as much money as anybody in coaching these days, and... So what is going on and what will go on uh, with A&M? They bring us in Bobby Petrino. This seemed a little bit desperate to me. Jimbo has always kind of been a play caller and an offensive guy, but he's asking for help from uh, looking for love in all the wrong places maybe. But uh, are they going to get any better, or or is this just going to be another bad season and and may end up in heartbreak here?
0: Well, I don't know that Jimbo was looking for it.
2: I think he was –
0: told to go get it it's kind (laughs) of one of those like yeah Jimbo's um not known for what's the best way to put this um there's a bit of an ego there I guess and the idea that he would go search out something you know what I'm not working as a play caller I need to do something else that that doesn't strike me as as him and I think there are people around Florida State who who are nodding their heads with me on that Mm -hmm. um but it was something that they thought they needed to do, and the offense wasn't terrible. I mean, they scored 33, I think it was, but they did get gifted two really short fields because of Miami special teams blunders. Um, so it wasn't the offense that was bad necessarily. To me, it was the defense that shocked me. Um, you know, I was watching pregame warm-ups through binoculars just trying to get a feel for A&M, and I'm looking at the D-line and the linebackers. I'm like, yeah, that's a big dude that's a big dude. That's a really big dude. That's a big dude. <laughs> and you can go on and on and on. And Mario said as much after the game, talking about the massive dudes they had and all these five-star recruits, and Miami scored 48 on them. Wow. It, is, it, is it possible that at the end of the year we're going to look back and say, yeah, Miami scored 48 on them because they're really, really good? Yeah, it's possible. But I think the more likely scenario is Miami is a better team, maybe a good team or a very good team. And AM is just a mess where they're massively underachieving. I mean, I think Jimbo is like 14 and 12 since 2020. It's not good enough for what he's getting paid. It's not good enough for the recruits that he's got. It's not good enough for a program in Texas A&M that should, there's no, you know, I've said it before. There's 15 to 20 ish schools that can win a national championship and reasonably expect to Texas A&M is one of them. And it's, I don't think it's the infrastructure. I don't think it's the, the footprint uh, at a certain point, I think to some degree it's, here it's the coach and it's it's not working at the level they expect and I don't know where they go from here. Um, you know the idea that they'd have to pay him like seventy seven million dollars to go away after this year that's incredible. Yeah, it is, and, and it's hard for me to to fathom. But at the same time, A and M is not a patient place. They they made it clear literally when they hired him. I mean, the chancellor or president or whoever it was gave him a plaque with a national championship on it just to say, all right, you fill in the year to go 14 and 12. Like, no, that's not what it is. So I don't know where things go from here, but if things don't improve with A&M quickly and, and, you know, they've still got the sec Western, that's going to be a challenge, even though the league is not as good as it usually is. If they don't get better, it's going to be really, really uncomfortable and, yeah, I guess watch the price of oil around Thanksgiving, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, listen, and uh, in, and in, in, oh, by the way, the University of Texas Longhorns, uh-huh. which has always been uh, sort of the the bluest of blue bloods down there, they're suddenly a, a national a championship contender, and that's not going to help Jimbo in his in his efforts for sure. All right, uh, we have we can't have a week of college football discussion unless, and we kind of maybe bury the lead, I suppose, nationally, without talking about prime time. Mm-hmm. And the Colorado Buffs who take on their I guess in-state rivals if you want to call them that Colorado State which isn't very good. But let's let's talk about okay, so week 1, right, very impressive win against TCU. Maybe a little unexpected, especially the way it came about. Shootout, 45 points, five touchdowns, uh passes, uh, all that stuff. Okay, but then they host Nebraska and I, I don't think Nebraska, I think they're obviously limited offensively, but it's a, it's a brand, right? It's, it used to be a huge rivalry, all those things. Got off to kind of a slow start, and then they curb stomped them too. So now they get a team that they are clearly better than. But what is interesting to me is that Deion Sanders, to me, not only is dominating college football, I think he's dominating football in general. Like this is the biggest thing going, and you know the way he has done it, um, the, the, you know, the, uh, uh, just sort of the, you know, getting that many players in one year to, to come in the transfer portal and everything being new and his sons and all that. This is, have you ever seen anything like this? Is there anything you can compare this to in college football?
0: No. And I'm not sure anything like this has ever happened in college football. I mean, when Saban went to Bama, that right. was certainly like a rock star came to town. Sure. But I think this is on another level. Like
2: yeah.
0: the, the average, you know, neighbor across the street who, who watches the Super Bowl and that's about it. I don't know that they who kn- know who, who Nick Saban was or knew at the time who Nick Saban was. Neighbor across the street who only watches the Super Bowl, I bet they know who Deion Sanders is, right? Like, yeah. and, and that just adds so much. And he is so magnetic and so charismatic. And he is doing this in a way that has never been done in the history of college football. I per, feel pretty darn certain about that in the modern era. Right. Uh, that That's not hyperbole. Nobody's ever done something quite like this with the way he turned the roster over mm-hmm. and his kid. And then, you know, getting the number one recruit in the country to go to a, a, a HBCU and then taking him to Colorado. And I mean, the last guy to do what Travis Hunter is doing, at, uh, I don't know. Like you got to go way back to, to find somebody who's playing a hundred something snaps on, you know, 120 snaps on, on offense and defense. It, it This type of stuff just hasn't happened. And there's a lot of factors that are p- putting it together. Um, and, and it's, it's unbelievable to watch. Uh, I mean, it, but people are watching. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, 8.7 million viewers for, for Colorado, Nebraska, Whew. which that's a huge number for college football. um, And they're not there because Colorado's a name program, uh, they haven't been relevant and uh, they had a a little stint in, what was that, 16 or so, 17 somewhere in there. Um, But they haven't really been relevant in 20 years. Uh, Nebraska hasn't been relevant since what, 02? Something like that? I I guess they had the one Big 12 uh, title game, but they haven't really been good in quite some time. No, they're there to watch Prime. And it's a remarkable, remarkable thing. And I've got Two other thoughts on this, if I can continue rambling. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual football part of this, what impressed me about the way Colorado, about Colorado's performance is they won a different type of game. Um, you know, TCU was a shootout. You know, again, I don't know how good TCU is, just because they lost so many people from last year. Very different team, but give. Obviously, uh, the, the Buffs credit for winning there in, in a tough environment, in a big game, in uh, a shootout, and then Nebraska is very different because Nebraska's offense is, is bad. Jeff Sims, the former Florida State commit, uh, that's that's not working. He's it's not it's not working. I'll, I'll put it that way. And but the the, the Huskers' defense was pretty strong, and Colorado we eventually found a way to crack it. And the good teams and the great teams. Can win games multiple ways, and we saw Colorado do that. Um, I still don't know how good they are. That's not an attack on Dion. It's not. A, it's nothing like that. It's just that you take these two data points: TCU, which you know beat a Humpty Dumpty in, in week two, and is so different from last year. I, I don't know. I don't have enough data. And then they beat a Nebraska team that has a terrible offense in the second game with that coach. Right. I I don't know. Like I, I would love to have some sort of really profound thought on this is how good Colorado is. Could they be a top ten team? Yeah. Could they be like twenty fifth? Yeah. Could they be fortieth? Yeah. I, I do not know yet. Um so that's my actual football thought. The other thing, and, and we were talking about this a little bit before the show. Yeah. What if Prime had gone to USF?
2: Oh my.
0: I never really oh thought my. it was possible and just because you know and and dion said that usf had had kicked the tires on him or offered him or wherever it is on that spectrum um there there were at least conversations um and i i never thought it was a likely thing just because i didn't know if usf would have the money or or want to spend the money and i don't blame them to be clear and then also it seemed pretty clear that dion's next job was going to be a power five or that moniker that label that was something that mattered to him and and to to the people he was going to try and he was going to bring with him, but as we sit here today, the center of maybe the center of sports is in Boulder, Colorado, because of this guy, and you it's unbelievable you gotta you know part of me wonders like what if he had come to Tampa
2: well, would've been like Tom Brady coming to Tampa quite frankly, I mean maybe even more <laughs> yeah. so because. Listen, uh, he, 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 you know, yeah, he went to a power five, but not just any power. Like, there's a lot of power five schools, okay, that are probably kicking themselves that they didn't throw all kinds of money at Deion Sanders. He went to Colorado for God's sakes, which is about as far from from where he's from in Fort Myers in Florida as you could get, and in every way, right, climate, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They know that, but he brought some of the best damn players in the country all the way out west. With a program that was one and eleven, then he ran off everybody and rebuilt in one season. Uh, what looks to be a very viable college football program that has captured the imagination. I saw the other day, maybe the story. I, I could be misquoting it, but who cares? Um, <laughs> accuracy is not one of our promises here on the podcast. Uh, but Shadir Sanders, I saw was was up to at this point or close to eclipsing. $4 million in NIL money. That changes the face of college football, and for that matter, the the, the face of the NFL, if it goes that route.
0: Yeah, it, it does. The NIL figures are who the heck knows, but right. certainly uh, Colorado's been able to get things done there. And when you have a coach like... Like Dion and the, the players they have, there, there's a lot of opportunities on and off the field that come with that. And uh, Dion, I think to some degree, was going to bring that. Um, well, no, me wherever back he up. went, yeah. yeah, Dion was going to bring that wherever he went. Yes. And yes, you're absolutely right that there are a lot of programs kicking themselves. Um, you know, like he had interviewed with TCU and did really well. Well, does, yeah. does TCU wish they had him over Sonny Dykes? Maybe, but Sonny worked out pretty well last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Florida State Uh, looked into him. I I don't know if I've told this this story before, but um, when Willie, after Willie got fired, there was a a story like when the NFL network people, I think it was, broke the news that Dion was a candidate at Florida State. I remember that. I remember that. And I was on a long run. I was training for something. So I'm on a long run. And the, the boss calls me about this. I'm like, why are you wasting my time with this? Like <laughs> we got a, a lot of time on, left on this search. I'm on my day, quote unquote off doing a, a eight mile run or whatever it was like, no, come on, get out of here. And that's how I poo pooed it. But Florida state did not. And, and it, it wasn't going to work though. Um, Just because it, I don't think he had a degree at the time and hiring somebody like Dion who had never been a college coach to a Florida state job. That, that's, that's a really hard thing to swallow. Um, So I'd say that because, well, they got Mike Norvell. I don't think Florida State's unhappy. No. But there are definitely other programs out there who could have, would have, should have, did kick the tires on Dion, and it didn't work out for whatever reason. And it, it will be very interesting to see how this goes long term um, because they're 2 0 right now and everything's great. They still got to play Oregon. I think that's uh, next week. And they play USC after that. And don't USC they? after that. Jeez. Correct. I mean, you know. I mean, Pac-12 is the best conference in the country right now. In, in terms that. of, in terms of, you know, one to eight or whatever, um, maybe that? maybe one to the bottom too. So let's see how, what this looks like at the end of the year. In terms of, is this a new way to look for a coach? Um, is Dion one of one? Is this the new way to build and rebuild a roster? Like th- we're going to have a lot of time to, to autopsy this at the end of the year. But for right now, the fact that Colorado is is the center of of certainly college football, if not the sports world, because of this one guy. That's a fascinating, very cool story.
2: I'm telling you, we live now, Matt, uh, and and I deal with it every day with my kids, and you will too. We live in a TikTok world, and it's all about who has the most followers, the most likes, whether it's any social media platform out there, and that is what drives money. That is why Pat McAfee is on ESPN now on Mm -hmm. game day. That is why uh uh the young lady who who's excellent by the way on game day is is got you know a, a ton of followers um because she's a peloton instructor like this this is uh and I'm not knocking her ability believe me no, this is not where I'm going with this what I'm saying is it matters if you have a national platform that is that is monet that is monetized in every way you can imagine on television and television drives every sport as we know not the mm-hmm. world and so i i think where this is headed, me personally, and we can discuss this another day, is that when when his son is ready for the NFL, he's going to be a first-round pick. Hell, he may win the Heisman this year. I don't know. But whenever that day comes, Deion Sanders is going to go to the NFL, in my opinion. He's going to follow his son to that team, which will be a bottom-feeding team. May not be the first pick overall if it's next year, because that's going to be Williams, I think. Um, But one of those top two, three, four teams is going to need a head coach, because they stink, and they're going to need a quarterback because they stink, and I think this is going to be a package deal, and I think he's going to end up in the NFL making twenty million dollars a year uh and his son will will be if not the top pick but because I think Williams would will be but one of the top three four five picks and and that's the way I think it's going to go. I think this is about the sanders enterprise and and that includes his family um and what's bigger than family who why wouldn't you want to coach? Uh, and, and take you know, try to take his son to the NFL. It just makes too much sense for me.
0: You, you might very well be right. I mean, certainly the, the Dion critics have always said and, and will always say this is about Dion, period. Everything is about Dion. Sure, sure. Um, I'm not saying that. That's just something you certainly hear in the industry. It, it would be very interesting uh, on a different level just because obviously Dion is working at Colorado. Yep. Right. As we sit here today, I don't know what's gonna, where things are going to go. But That's true. It's clear that things are working. Um, yep. I don't, I'm not, and I'm, let me be clear too. I'm not saying this won't work at the NFL, but I don't know because it's so different. I mean, Dion's winning in Colorado because he attracted a really good staff and attracted a bunch of dudes who wanted to play for him because he is one of the most magnetic personalities in, sport in sports ever. ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. what? Muhammad Ali, like I mean it's a very short list it of is. people. It really is. It's a very short list of people that Dion is with. Yep. Um and that's great if you're in a living room and you're recruiting. Mm-hmm. But that is not how it works in the NFL. Well, that's and true. It's a different game. You're right. So I don't know how that plays into it. I don't know if, mm-hmm. if Dion has the X's and O's schematics to right. uh to to you know beat a team with, with comparable talent week that's in, fair. week out. That's fair. Uh, although I mean, maybe there's uh people who would rather take a little less money in the NFL and, and to play for Dion. I don't have any idea. Right. But that that's just one of the the questions I would have on that, but I certainly think if he does if this continues and he turns Colorado around or maybe this year they're 7 and 5 and next year they win 10 games, mm-hmm. he will have options. Be that college, be that NFL, I who knows. Yeah. But he, he will have options because at the start of the year, I certainly remember some college football, some national pundits saying like, if he wins four games or five games, I remember at that Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's an amazing job. That's coach of, mm-hmm. national coach of the year material, right. and that's you know four or five is the floor. It's it's he's got some tougher ones ahead, but I it's hard not to see them go into a bowl at minimum, and they they could absolutely finish the year ranked which would be a remarkable remarkable one of the better turnaround one year turnarounds we've seen this century
2: well it would have been more remarkable if he had won this, this if he did win that many games with the team that he inherited but that team is gone <laughs> <Correct>. <laughs> there's only three starters from that team and probably you know no more than a handful or so players that were one in 11 a year ago so this is not the Colorado team that he took over it is the brand um, but it's even more remarkable to me that he brought in you know, 60, 70 players that are new, never been together, and here they go. So fascinating stuff. Uh, again, you will be at uh, Florida, Tennessee. I think it's a huge game. It's uh, definitely uh, a rivalry, to say the very least, and, and obviously Billy Napier has tapped into that. And we can check it all out on the Tampa Bay Times and on tampabay.com. Matt Baker, we'll see you uh, next week, Matt, and uh, safe travels, buddy. Sure. Thanks, Rick. Man, I'm excited about this weekend of college football. I think we've got a good uh, slate of games, and uh, it's a home Saturday, which is beloved by all of us NFL writers, so we get to watch a little college football, a little game day from uh, Colorado, so that'll be good. Uh, the Bucks, meanwhile, they are continuing preparations for their home opener. That's right, the home opener at Raymond James Stadium against the Bears, Chicago Bears. Oof, the Bears uh, did not play very well against uh, the Green Bay Packers in week one, but Justin Fields is always a problem, and uh, we'll see – if the Bucks can get off to a little faster start, we'll get into this more tomorrow when we uh, preview uh, Sunday's game. But uh, you may have checked out the Tampa Bay Times, Tampa.com. It was given up willingly on uh, Buccaneers total access by Rashad White. That yeah, Baker Mayfield stole the signals from the Vikings in the second half, and that made a big difference.
1: <laughs> hey Rashad, when you steal the signals, don't tell everybody, <laughs> right? Because now.
2: Now everybody knows that you're a signal stealing uh person and so therefore they're going to go extra length to make sure that you can't tell what their signals may be, right? Or I'm just guessing, hey, how about how about this? How about if somewhere down the road, let's just say they both make the playoffs and you got to see the Vikings again? What'd you just do? Mhm. You did yourselves no favors at all, nope. right? Because you could have started a game knowing what they were doing as opposed to, yeah, we're never going to know because they're going to change them. So, I don't know. Kind of a silly story. But it's a good read anyway. So, make sure you take it out in Tampa Bay Times, dot Bay.com, as well as we'll talk about more about this tomorrow. Baker's scrambling. Good, bad, or really bad? Um, it excited the offensive line. It excited the sideline. I don't think it's too exciting, though, if you're a Bucks fan. You're going to have to want to make sure this guy – Doesn't go full Baker all the time. Oh, by the way, he was on an injury report with a right shoulder, right throwing shoulder, not the left one, the one that he injured in Cleveland, the right throwing shoulder. Now he had full participation, but when you see quarterback and throwing shoulder in the same injury, in in its injury report, yeah, I never, I never thought that was a good sign. I never thought that was a good thing at all. So it's something to watch for sure. A couple of other players that are uh, not practicing Carlton Davis with a toe. Um, you know, uh, of course, Elijah Kansi is uh, sort of aggravated that calf injury again. And Chris, Christian Eisen, Eisen, who made the interception, um, he's banged up as well. So he didn't practice. So they got some, it only takes one week, man. And it's the National Football League. Guys get hurt every single week. So we'll see who they get back. And we'll talk about that all day uh, on tomorrow's podcast. All right. Thanks for listening. My thanks to Matt Baker again. For Steve Burstick, Armstrong, Stroud, of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.